You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves, your NL best Atlanta Braves, I'll say, and hopefully this episode will come out in a couple days. I Hopefully that's still the case. Hopefully we still got the best record in the NL a couple days from now. Regardless, that underscores just how much fun we're having so far early in this season. So I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager, joined by Director of Braves Alumni Relations and 95 World Series Champ. What's my other one I always say for you? 93 NL Rookie of the Year runner-up to Mike Piazza, Greg McMichael. Greg, good to see you as always. Uh, We've got one of your... One of your brethren. I mean, anybody that's a former player is like a, a, a brother to you, I'm sure. But if it's a relief pitcher, I feel like there's a special bond there amongst you. You relief. Yeah. So agree. We, we got one <laughs> of the stalwarts with us today and Jesse Chavez. Exciting to have Jesse on. Jesse's one like I've been around him a little bit the last couple of years since he's been back with us a couple of times now these last couple of years. And. Well, you can just tell, in addition to being a veteran who's respected, you can just tell how well-liked he is and down-to-earth, humble, and nice of a man he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you that comes through pretty clear in our time we got to spend with him today. I just have so much respect for him, and I love that he's still with us and still pitching. And I think he's a leader on this team, too. So yeah. um, what are your first thoughts of uh, getting to chat with Jesse? Well, I was excited because I, like you, I have admired him, not only what he's done on the field, but I've heard really good things about him. Just, you know, you got to have certain guys on your team that, you know, the glue guys. And, you know, of course, you just don't you don't put people on a team just because they're great in the clubhouse. They have to serve a purpose and and perform. And Jesse's performed at a high level. But there's something about a guy who has done it for as long as he has and who continues to pitch well. And he, he has a really a niche, right? So that guy in the middle of your game is more important than ever. Back when I was playing there, it wasn't as important because we had starters who were going seven innings a night. Well, that's not the case anymore. Starters are going, uh, you know, a little bit over five innings, maybe five innings, or especially early in the season. So those guys who are pitching the sixth and seventh, those bridge guys, we called them long relievers, but now everybody's just kind of a setup guy. Everybody's kind of a closer, it seems like, but they're they're more important than ever. And so you got to have so many people that have to pitch day in and day out nowadays to be successful. And so I look at Jesse. So the reason why I have such a connection with bullpen guys is because there's there's something there's something a little off or there's something different about a guy who can pitch in a bullpen for, you know, not only one season, but for seasons in the big leagues, because it is it's just something different. And I think when you meet people who have done it and done it at a high level, you just have this kind of unique bond with them, and it's kind of interesting. But I, I, I have noticed him, and I've, like I said, I've read some things about him where I've been wanting to talk to him. So I'm glad uh, we got him on today, and, and of course, it didn't disappoint. We had a great conversation with him. Yeah, all jokes aside, I mean, I, I've said it many times on this show. I feel like I have – I'm usually most interested in bullpen guys, and I think I have – I have respect for anybody that makes it to the big leagues, but I just, I have so much respect for what you guys do because other than your closer and maybe your eighth inning guy, sometimes if you've got a pretty good back end of the bullpen, you'll have a designated seventh inning guy. It's still very much a, 
you got to always be ready and you don't always know when you're going to come in. And so it's kind of like a nomadic experience day by day. But then you look at a guy like Jesse or yourself or pretty much most most guys that are that are lifelong relievers or spend most of their time in the big leagues and relievers. There's a lot of bouncing around from team to team. Even the the elite guys, it just isn't doesn't happen that often that a guy stays in one place for very long. There's only mm-hmm. one Mariano Rivera that was just one place. For oh, him. yeah. You know, well, let's face it. I mean, it's like I've always said, it's like being a lineman. I mean, you only get noticed when you screw up. And, and you know, because if you have five guys that are pitching or let's say it's four guys that are pitching after the starter comes in, um, you really notice it when the last guy, the closer, doesn't do his job and he lets a run in. But the other guys, you just say, oh, yeah, he pitched the sixth. Oh, he pitched the seventh. He pitched the eighth. And you really don't know much about it unless you look in the box score. Right. But when that closer at the very end, everybody gets excited. And that's where, you know, of course, they get paid a little bit more to pitch the end as opposed to in the middle. But it's one of those. It's like a dirty job. I mean, you just you just got it. You do it. Don't expect any praise. You know, don't expect the highest salaries. If anything, you're going to you're going to get the lowest salaries on the team. And you're you're going to have to just be OK with being that you're really the glue. You're gluing the the back end right with the front end the the front end of the game is the starter and the back end is the closer and you've got to glue it in between and and so i just think it takes a, a unique individual to be okay with that and to be able to like you said to be able to just like okay it's time to pitch you get it on right now and then you might get up and down four times before you get in so you get feel like a yo-yo at times but it's it's an interesting position, and I you know it's a lot like uh, being a bench player where you have to all of a sudden you're thrown into the spotlight in a tough situation you've been kind of observing all game where you might observe for four games and then all of a sudden you got to come in and if you don't do your job then it's like oh why do we have him you know <laughs> right well and you're not just it's 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 like day by day you're waiting like it uh, might be my time might not be mm-hmm. i feel like especially with veteran relief guys and sometimes the bench players too season by season they're almost the ones that are most susceptible to changing cities and teams at, at a moment so it's, heck look at jesse last season he started the season with the cubs we trade well he'd been with us the year before wins the world series ends up going to the cubs is there for a little bit gets traded back here with us then we end up trading him to the angels doesn't work out there, and then he's back here. So he's four different – I mean, Atlanta twice last year, but essentially four different teams in a way in the span of one season. And while balancing all of that with, you know, he's got a wife, children, family life at home, that's that, that's not for the weary. That's not for the weak at heart to be able to do that, to be able to have to change destinations or change where you're working – and mm-hmm. presumably having kind of maybe different roles at each place and the mm-hmm. logistics behind the scenes of all that. I just, and it comes back to what I'm saying, what I was saying earlier about just, I have a lot of respect for you guys, the, the veteran relievers in particular. It's just, uh, it is, it's not for everybody. And the guys that can do it like Jesse, like you did, or, um, you know, your special breed. That's one way to put it. Yeah. I was trying to think of the nicest way I could do it for your sake. And that's what I do. No, no. <laughs> well, listen, we've uh, we had a great time getting to catch up with Jesse. He's the team's out in San Diego, and we're still here in Atlanta, of course. But Jesse and uh, the media relations folks, Jared and Franco, were or baseball communications folks, I should say, were kind enough to to sort set this up. So 
Let's get right into it. Without further ado, here he is, Jesse Chavez. Jesse, thanks for uh, joining us on Behind the Braves. And I know you're out in San Diego. And, uh, man, you've been doing just a great job so far. So congratulations on the hot start. And uh, you've been a big part of the success so far because, you know, early in the season, a lot of starters, they don't go very deep. And so you're having to come in. You guys are sharing the bullpens, just doing a great job sharing the load. So we appreciate that. just a, a quick question for me. I I saw where over the course of I mean your career you've had oh you've been averaging about sixty appearances a year. You've you've been playing a long time, and I was just curious your thoughts on how you felt like you've evolved as a pitcher a little bit. I know you've done a little starting, but for the most part you've been in the bullpen. Can you see over the last sixteen years how you've kind of uh, become a little bit different, or, or what would you say the uh, the biggest thing that you've learned over that time? Keeping what works not trying to change anything that's different from a throwing standpoint from, I mean, old school, we didn't have weighted balls. We didn't have any of that other stuff. It was just bands up on the fence and that was it. And usually you did that, you know, after you threw and not before trying to get ready, you found out what your arm was like to get ready the right, you know, the normal way, I guess, because, you know, we didn't have it around it, but being able to adjust year in and year out for me was knowing that a, I had to keep my fastball going command wise and then tinkering with, with the, the good and the bad of the breaking balls and the changeups you know, they're in the off season to make them less mistakable for the next season, you know, as, as far as that goes. But for me, I never changed anything, just adapted to what my body felt like, what I felt like I needed to do more at the end of the season. So like I always say to kids when or younger ones, when they're driving home, that drive, just map out what you want to do for the off season, map out what, what your body felt like during the first half, the middle and the end. And that way you can have an off season plan. So that way, when you get home the first 10 days, relax, get over it, you know, um, spend time with your family, loved ones, catch up on lost time. Cause we do, you know, we do lose a lot of relationships that way. And a lot of them get, you know, broken up that way. So I think the drive is a good one to get through and we don't like driving cause we want to get home and stuff like that, but it's a good time to process some things and get things, what you want to get accomplished. So that way, when, when it's time to start going, you can hit the ground running. And that's something that I've, I've done from the beginning. And I think that's really helped me throughout that part. Yeah, you certainly stayed healthy. I know Ricky and I were talking a little bit before you came on just about creating margin. Obviously, margin in our lives is good, creating margin. But, you know, as a pitcher, that's an interesting term because I was sharing with him. I said, you know, you can create margin by creating more velocity, which is harder to do. You talked about the weighted balls, but some people have been able to do it through that. You can create margin through movement. Right. You can mm-hmm. you can create more sync and um, but then you can create which I like what you do. You 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 do create some movement. But the biggest thing is that you have a really good control. And I think you've created a lot of margin in your game by hitting your spots. And when I look at the game in general nowadays, it doesn't seem guys aren't hitting their spots as much. It's more focused on elevating and throwing you know harder. But you've been able to create a lot of margin by just being very accurate. So. Um, when I watch you, I'm I'm very interested in how you hit your spots and how you work work the count. Is that something that's always been in your game, or do you feel like that's something that's gotten better over time? Uh, I've I've always give back to my dad. We growing up, uh, one ball on pitching day, and he sat on the corners and he wouldn't move his glove. And <laughs> if it went by him, if it wasn't in the spot, he'd move his body out of the way instead of catch, moving the glove to catch the ball. It was one of those type of things, but it was a great lesson, and it'd be right next to him. He'd tell me to get it, and it, for me, it was learning that understand what I did wrong in that in that moment walking back to the mound so that way I don't do that again and I still use that that process to this day when I you know throw a pitch whether I landed in the strike zone or I misfire it's it's one of those I'm like all right what did I do in that split second to 
to make sure I don't do it again. And that, that was from day one when we started uh, learning how to pitch and then never playing a position in high school and just being a pitcher at that point kind of helped me hone in on that. But when a velocity started creeping up in the minor leagues, it was one of those things where I, that control kind of helped out because I knew I could, I can end somebody's career if one got away from me. And I didn't want, I didn't want to be one of those guys and have that in my head as well. You know, so it was one that I took pride in year in and year out still do. There's never, you know, one perfect pitch for me that, that is going to be, I'm going to be satisfied on regardless if I get a strike or if they hit the ball, it's something, something would have went wrong for me because I'm a perfectionist. I like to, to think that way. And, you know, just take it in the off season and work on, work on um, some areas that I, I wasn't hitting as well during the season or they were, you know, they were inconsistent throughout times, but they were able to be there when I needed to. But I think I take those that are there at times when I needed to, I think I hammer those out more than the ones that I actually do the best. Well, Jesse is a lifelong Braves fan and then also now working for the Braves for almost the last decade. There's a lot of moments in my mind. Of course, the, the wins, the big wins, the World Series, all that stuff is always, you know, highlights in my own mind with my Braves experience. But there's all these other moments along the way that when I think back on them, I'm just like, gosh, that was so cool when that happened. And one of those for me was last, I think it was the beginning of September. It was late last season when you came back and you came into the game and I was sitting in the press box and the ovation that the crowd gave you upon your return back here, I just thought was so cool where and i remember i think you posted on social media about it what was uh what was that moment like for you i mean I, you've been in the game for a long time all these different teams what was that moment like for you uh besides winning the world series one of the best i've had it was unbelievable um my wife gave me a little crap about not not in relishing a little bit longer but i i trust me i embellished it as 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 long as i can and i still do to this day i run it back and talking to one of the security guards at any time that happens to me. I take that out on the mound every day. Any any compliment I take from a fan, from a from security guard, from a teammate, from anybody in the front, I take it and I I, I try to run with it as much as I can out there on the mound because um, that means more to me than a, a you know a pat on the back from my teammates because we're supposed to do that on a daily basis. You know you know we're not we're supposed to be here and do our job because we're that's why we're here. But those comments are the ones that stick out the most to me that I really do cherish the most. As somebody, I mean, you've been in the game a long time lot of different teams as in the last couple of years i mean i know you had the stint with the braves years ago earlier in your career but the last couple of years has this kind of felt like more like home than a lot of those other stops along the way to you yeah each one has a special place this one though is it's different because of how it was when it started back in 2010 you know and that that group that we had together and how close we were going and then you know to get taken away from that group and for the business side of it i get it that that helped me along the way to understand what I had to do to stay in this game, you know, adapt, be who I can be, look at the needs that are around the league and, and try to make myself as needy as can. And that goes back to when I chose to be asked to be a starter in 2012 spring training. So I think that really helped out a lot. But this team and this organization, I mean, it's always been, you know, top for me. And it goes back to that year and then being able to come back and having Snit as the manager now. And when he was a third base coach then and, like I never left and I feel like that's something you want as a player when you walk through those doors every single day and throw this uniform on is you want to feel like you're at home and you're out there just going going playing with your you know your nine best friends <laughs> awesome. yeah that's important you spend a lot of time together it's nice to to like guys that you're around and mm -hmm. um there's a special how would you describe the vibe that's going on right now with this team is it do you see it I mean this is a pretty 
um, the core has been together for a little bit. So would you see the vibe as similar to how it was before? Or do you think it's, is there anything that's changed for this year? I mean, we started gelling pretty quick and, and you don't always see that. I, I was on a bunch of Braves teams that we, we were together a lot, but man, we just could not start very fast for some reason. Yeah, it, it started with having a healthy spring training. You know, us and the guys that were banged up getting through their process that they had to get through and knowing that we were going to be there for them when they got ready. You know, and us being able to pick each other up on a daily basis and not having just one guy do it all and knowing that, you know, if we, get, if we don't leave somebody in a bad spot, we're going to win that day. And that's, you know, just being a good teammate, doing your job that day and being able to hand the ball to the next one that can keep it rolling. And I think for us, that started in spring training. You know, the conversations we had, the meshing we had, you know, the outings that we had. And, you know, if really similar to 21 and, you know, when we made that run and you know, we were without a few parts then and we got those back. So it's going to be fun to see what we can do this year. And as long as we stay healthy and do our job day in and day out and get that preparation done that we've been doing, anything can happen on any given night. We know that. So we just got to do that. And I think we'll take care of itself. You know, you touched on something that I, when I talk to kids a lot, I talk to them about being a good teammate. And I think that's so important because we can get so wrapped up in ourselves, right? And and I've read some interviews from you, and I know that you just don't say that lightly, that you do uh, want to be a good teammate. How do you, for our younger audience or those players out there that are listening, how do you, what are some practical things that you do day in and day out to be a good teammate? I know you you want to pitch well and you want to pick up your starter, but but what are some other things that you do that don't re- that are not related to your performance that makes you a good teammate? Just having a simple conversation, not about baseball, getting to know him as a person, not the, you know, the one that that's on the the name on the back that everybody knows. You know what I mean? I feel like that that goes a long way um, doing your job and just being able to adapt with them on a daily basis because we don't know what could happen on the way here. You know, somebody can get run a red light, show up, you know, in a you know, and almost, you know, cause an accident for them on the way to the field or some off field issues. Just being able to be there for that standpoint as as a as a brother instead of just being there as as that that player, I think that goes a long way. Doing your job, showing up early, getting things done the right way, um, and act like you've done it before is the biggest thing we we try to preach, or at least I do. You know, to the younger ones is mm-hmm. act like you've done it before. We've all had strikeouts, we've all been hit. You know, we're all gonna hit. It's just doing things the right way is basically what what I was brought up with. I, f- I feel like you're a guy that you've always worked pretty fast. So I feel like the new rules probably haven't really affected you too much. But I was just curious as somebody that I think you've already been eight or nine games. I mean, how have the new rules impacted you or have you even really noticed them that much? No, I caught myself one day, though. I was trying to do a hold and it, I was like, oh, dang, it's really that low. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but it was one of those. It was, I was just I don't mind it. It's it's kind of fun to to see what kind of things can transpire throughout the game with guys getting in the box faster um the guys on the mound that usually have their little triggers and ticks and even in the box it's kind of fun to see what what kind of things they can do now differently to you know adjust to the time because it's it's get in and get out kind of feel like when you're up there because it's like okay dang what we got to be on the on the on the swivel real quick because it can you know it can it can unravel real quick and i guess it kind of gives you that rookie vibe a little bit when the game speeds up on you for the first time and you're not used to it. And then things start going haywire and you're like, Oh man, what is this? Like, what am I supposed to do here? But I think it, it kind of gives you that little bit of old school feeling of when you first get called up of like, man, this game is really fast, but the grand scheme of things, it kind of gives you a good sense of that inner clock of, you know, are we holding for two seconds? Are we, you know, things like that, but I don't mind it. It's fun. Guys, guys are adjusting real well. 
Last question for me. And this was I this was on my list anyways, but I pulled some Greg and I's co-workers here in the office. And this was the one question everybody wanted me to ask. And I'll expand on it a little bit. How many hats do you think you own? Uh, because the general consensus here is Jesse Chavez has to have the greatest hat game in Major League Baseball. I can't imagine <laughs> there's anybody with any better hat game than you. So roughly how many how did you first kind of get into the that part of your fashion or interested in that part of your fashion? And how many do you think you own roughly? OK, it was a funny golfing spring training with Oakland in spring of 2013, I think, or 14. I didn't have a hat. So I walked in, we were in the golf shop and I was like, I, I'm not going to get burnt today. This is way too hot. And for spring training, it's really, really rare that early in Arizona to be that hot. Cause it's usually thin air and nice and chilly, but got this, got this straw hat and put it on and ended up the next day, pitched, put up some zeros and like, okay, put up some more and then carried into the season, ended up winning a spot. And I was like, okay, this is nice. And then I, just evolved into other hats throughout the years. And, but it started with then just not having a hat on a golf course and then carrying it through the season. Cause it kind of fit with the way we were dressing at the time. So, and then now it's probably looking at like 25 of those yeah. type of hats. My All wife right. doesn't like the wall decor we got going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Braves country loves it. So if that helps, I don't know if it does. Love it. Appreciate but, it. But coming, trust me. Okay, good. <laughs> Well, it's um, uh, it's been great having you on, Jesse. I always love talking pitching and especially bullpen. And um, Ricky always lets me get a chance to handle that part. So I'm thankful for that. We we wish you all the luck rest of the year. I know um, you're going to do well. Just stay healthy and and uh, keep blacking out those corners. Right? You got it. All right. Thank you, you so much. Have thank a great day. Take care. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Our thanks again to Jesse Chavez for joining us here on Behind the Braves. I'm going to I'm going to start looking doing some hat shopping online and channel my inner Jesse Chavez and see if I can uh pull off that cool style that he does. Probably not. That would be my guess. Probably not. But anyways, um so this weekend team's going to be back at Truist Park. You got the world champion Houston Astros coming to town. Uh, 2021 World Series rematch. So the last two world champions are going to be here at Truist Park this weekend. Truist Park on any given night is rocking at this point. It just it just is. You can come here any night. You can tune on the TV. You can see pictures from whatever. It's doesn't matter what night of the week. It's always rocking. This weekend in particular, it's it's going to be packed. It's going to be a really fun weekend. I, I think we're going to get. It's only April, so we'll see. You know, you'll see how it goes. But for the team on the field, this is a good early test just to see how we're matching up early in the year. Uh, so it's going to be a fun weekend, and you've got uh, another great lineup for Alumni Sunday too, don't you, Greg? Yeah, we have uh, Sid Sid Bream coming in town. Nice. So real excited about. Always love to have Sid here, and he'll be joined by uh, or with Horatio Ramirez. So we have uh, some great alumni here. They're going to be in the battery. They'll be out there signing autographs for everybody. So come check them out. Say hello. Come get your autograph. And uh, looking forward to hosting them 
over the weekend. And it's always great to have some uh, old teammates back. And of course, Horatio and I didn't, didn't play together. We kind of missed each other, but, um, one of those uh, great brave starters that uh, that started his career here with us and got to pitch back in mid two thousands. Yeah, well, you know what's fun about like this particular lineup, and I love how you oftentimes will either theme or pair up guys for Alumni Sunday. Sid, of course, is a hero from my youth as a Braves fan. Horacio or Horatio, as you said, is I think he was a guy. I remember watching him pitch when I was early in my like in college. Remember tuning in, Braves were still on TBS. I remember him as a, as a youngster, as a rookie pitching. And so if you're coming out to the ballpark, I mean, you're getting, you get to meet a couple guys from different eras of Braves history, and then you get to see the current Braves team. I mean, what, what's mm. better than that? So come on That's out, right. to, come on out to the ballpark. And uh, we got the Astros in town and then we got series against the Marlins next week. So that's always that's always that, you know, it, it's interesting. There's always seems to be something every year that just Something just happens with us and the Marlins every year, and you just you don't know what it's going to be, but it seems like something <laughs> always happens. So yeah, so well, that's what happens when you have division rivals, right? That's it. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And hey, we're with the new balance schedule this year, we're playing our division rivals a little less. So nice, which is good. See, yeah, it's good. It's great. So come out and see whatever weird wackiness happens between us and the Marlins <laughs> this year. So. Our thanks again to Jesse Chavez for joining us here on Behind the Braves. And thanks to you all for listening. Uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week.